Tamara Labog, that you have sent here into this house and set in a space today to speak the words that you have given and spoken into her heart to speak. May we, this house, receive them with the gratitude and the grace that you have given to us to receive. May they grow within us the garden in a harvest of spirit and of life and of light. Amen. You may be seated. It occurred to us this morning that this is the first time that uh, that she is preaching as Reverend Doctor, <laughs> Reverend Doctor Tamara Labar. God bless you as you speak. Thank you. Wow! 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 Y'all, what a um, what a privilege. What an honor just to dwell within your house, sing the psalmist. It is a privilege to be in this house, this beautiful church that my wife and Marsha and Christina and Heidi and so many others have built. So beautiful. I want to start just a second because the psalmist leads us to the word. Right, The psalmist leads us to our hearts so we can be present in it. And there was a couple of times when I was singing that I just wanted to, I wanted to say that not everybody probably in this house believes necessarily that Jesus illuminated the dark for them. Not everybody in this house necessarily believes that. And so I just want to say that there's, I want to say what it means to me, just so you can know when I, when I sing that song unabashedly, what that means to me. That means to me that in a moment of a valley of darkness, when I got out of the valley in my own heart and mind and gut and trusted that the model that Jesus gave us could bring me out of that valley, Jesus illuminated the dark for me. So what that means to me is when I can see myself as God sees me and do only what I see God wanting for me, which would include everyone, by the way, because I believe in a radically inclusive love that is not conditional, it's unconditional, which means that I'm, if I'm only out for me, I'm missing something, right? So that's what I believe one of the core messages of Jesus is, is to, to come and demonstrate I do what I see the Father doing, is his language. I do what I see, what, what the unconditional love would choose is what comes out of my heart and mind. So I just wanted to say that. And, and then there's another lyric that I just thought was so beautiful that kind of leads us into where we're going today, and that's, no other love will do. No other love will do. And what that was for me, thinking about that, you know, when I'm in the valley, um, I need to recognize where God is showing up for me in other people. But people are a hot mess. People are a hot mess. And so being able to see past whatever pain is up front for them and being able to see that they too behind that pain are also a child of God or behind that fear are also a child of God, that's 
That's so much of our work. So I just wanted to name that. We were in a workshop yesterday where we were looking at liturgy with and talking theologically with D.E. Polk. And, um, and uh, Bonnie had asked me last week to talk about what matters now. And so I'm entrenched in some of what D.E. said yesterday. So some of what I'm going to talk about is what the moment is right now in the cycle of the church that came out of Paul and Peter, the church that we inherited in some respects and are standing against in others, right? But this moment is calling us, and that's what I want to start with. This moment is calling us in a way that feels similar but not the same. We are being called to something very new. And I want to look at cycles in our lives and how we can kind of get out of our own way around these cycles. And, And so what I mean by that is that if you're trying to pay attention to your calling or your purpose, right, we have to get out of our own way. Does that make sense? We have a lot of parts inside of us. We probably have an ego part that wants everybody to like buy our album and put a poster of us on the wall. Maybe you don't have that. Um, we may have a part that you know wants to be a rock star. We may have a part that wants to be a... But we have to get out of our own way and know what, what are our gifts that God has given us. And if we took our whole life and the cycles of our whole life into consideration, what is our next step to redeem us What is our next step to redeem us? What is the next step that calls you into a writing of your story that is from God's perspective and not just from the ground? So Bonnie said, talk about what matters now. So we are being called. You are being called. This church is being called for such a time as this. Now, what does that mean? We are entering into a time right now that is going to be very, very confusing about what the truth is. You thought it was scary or weird to know what the truth is for the last hundred years? This next season? Okay, let me just say this. How many of you forwarded a post about a Great Dane that was lost? Have you seen this on Facebook? Forwarded this post and then find out in the comments that it was a... Scam, right? How many of you have forwarded a picture of something that you thought was amazing, that made you maybe believe in some magical thing, and you forwarded it, and someone is in the comments, oh, looked it up, scam, right? We are entering into an age where AI is going to help confuse us a little as much as it helps us get clear. And so in this moment that we're stepping into this age, it's actually very familiar, though. This is a new age, but it's also kind of familiar in a way. We're in a time where we're trying to uh, let go of enlightenment thinking and thinking that, oh, God ran everything. No, there's also science. And now we're back to, oh, wait, maybe God runs everything, but with science. And maybe there's some other ways to do this, right? But we're, in, we're trying to push into this postmodern world where two truths can be true at the same time. Right, Bonnie? Where two truths can be true at the same time. That was the direction you were taking when I tried to yank your reins. Right? So how can two truths be true at the same time, right? 
how does that work? Well, we have to have a North Star. We have to have a guiding path and principle, and we have to come back to it over and over and over again because there's going to be a lot of confusion happening. And so it's never been truer from my vantage point that you need to surround yourself with people who have values that are similar to yours, and not in a way that means they're all similar. A similarity of wanting to include people who are different. Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah, like this. It's so cool. It's kind of an irony, but it's really true, right? But then the other song we sang, Heidi Following Her Spirit Picked Out, not just because I like it, but because it was speaking to the moment, be my truth when the lies call, right? Be the voice that drowns it, we're calling out to God, right? We're calling out to the world. Be my truth when the lies call. Now, you know, the, I don't know if you know this. There's a couple of patterns I want to kind of pick up here. But the very first question I ever asked Bonnie when I sat down with her, colleague to colleague, at a place called Foolish Things, which was not an accident. There's like a great director in the sky who thought that was the funniest set for us to beat in, <laughs> a place called Foolish Things. And my first question to her, I was like on the phone. She'll tell you the story where I end up being the bad guy if you want to listen to it later. But, um, <laughs> but the version right now <laughs> for this audience and this time is that I finally sat down with her after I was like energetically in a frenzy. And I said, I'm so glad you're here and I have such a huge question I want to talk to you about. And she's like, what? And I said, how do you know the difference between God's voice and your own? And we have been trying to answer that question clearly in a way that we can communicate to other people so that they can have a little bit of what we have and still not have an ego trip and think they're Jesus and like fly off the handle, right? Like that's what we've been trying to do ever since is know and decipher and discern the voice of God inside of us, right? And that it, everything kind of comes back to that question, Am I letting something else drive me to do this thing? I used to joke that I want to do a, I want to do a class on, like, fixing your picker. So, like, you've had a bad relationship and you don't want to choose somebody exactly like the person you were just with because that hurt you, and you really want to also not choose the exact opposite because that wouldn't be good either. And so how do you fix your picker? Right? You have to heal your wounds. You have to heal your wounds so that those little picker parts aren't picking from hurt and pain. Right? And we're going to see a lot of that as we move through today. So I want to talk for just a second about cycles. So Bonnie asked me to talk about what matters now. So we're looking at this like, okay, we're in this enlightenment cycle at this bigger stage, right? But you also have cycles in your life that I know you've noticed. I don't care how old you are, right? Have you seen some cycles showing up in your own life? Huh, every seven years I move. Huh, every five years I get a new job. Huh, every, huh, every relationship. Oh, hmm, ah. Uh. Right? We see all these patterns happening in our lives. And so what I want to look at a little bit is more about those patterns and how do you kind of know in your body, you know, the other side of that, which is, huh, this feels like a door swinging wide open for me. Huh. It feels like, it feels like maybe I'm a part of something bigger than me. And how do I not let that go to my head and actually give it the respect that it is asking for as well, right? So I want to talk about being called and talking about those cycles. But one of the cycles I just want to point out to, because it's so bizarre, Bonnie and I were noticing that Bonnie and I will often parallel preach. She'll be preaching here and I'll be preaching somewhere else and our messages are completely different, but there's some thread that's the same, 
really through both of them. And today, D.E. Polk is preaching at All Souls, which many of you know is where I used to serve from 2006 to 2014-ish. And, um, and the first time, what you may not know, is the first time that I ever preached as a called minister at All Souls was the Sunday that Bishop Pearson's church folded into ours. The decision had been made over the summer, and it was the first conjoined service, and I preached about Pentecost, interestingly, because I had already earned a bunch of solid reputation with the atheists and the intellectuals and the engineers, and the, that I could stand up and talk about Pentecost in a way that they might actually be able to hear. So I did that. And then, interestingly, and got to walk with, with the bringing together of the two groups, and interestingly, um, the first time that I had to speak publicly as a doctor, publicly as a doctor, was at Bishop Pearson's memorial service. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. I'm going to find out. I don't know what that means. I'm just saying. I'm pointing it out. There it is. I am, in a, I am bound to this narrative of Bishop Pearson's life. I buried his father. There's a lot of ways in which I've had experiences connected to Bishop Pearson. Now, I will also tell you that there are a million people right now in the world who are trying to connect to Bishop Pearson's story because Bishop Pearson had a lot of followers, had a whole lot of followers online and otherwise. And what I can say is that people like D.E. and people like White Yannick, Nicole Ogandari, and people, people who have been were very close to Bishop, um, we, we are feeling something different in the atmosphere now that he has, has gone. Like he paved a way to open inclusion very differently to a group of people. And now that he's gone, I will tell, I told Bonnie when I walked out of the service that day, I heard, you cannot hide in the shadows anymore. So some part of that vacuum is asking people like DE, people like me, people like Carmen White Yana, to like step into this space. And Bonnie's doing it too. So I just wanted to say, because she's like, I want you to talk about what you see about the world right now. So that's what I see. I see it really big. I see a really big call on us. And so I wanted to look at these cycles and this calling. So if you want to turn with me, this is so fun for me. Turn with me to John 1, 35, please. Um, and if you have an app, just you can do that too. You may have seen me in this t-shirt or hat because there is a of course, there's some money marketing tool with this story, but um, John 1, we have just, um, we've just had the baptism, right? John the Baptist is proclaiming who Jesus is, and John the Baptist has just said, it's the Lamb of God. That's who it is. And if you look at 35, John is standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked along. And John says, look, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following him and asked them, what do you want? And they answered him, Rabbi, where are you staying? He said to them, come, and you will see. And so they went with him, and they saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. And for it was about the 10th hour. So these two disciples, these two disciples asked, were following Jesus. Jesus says, what do you want? And they want to know, where do you stay? 
Where do you stay? Where do you live? This is one of the big questions about humanity and spirit we've been trying to answer with every religion all around the world. Where is God, inside, outside? Jesus, Muhammad, this, that, right? We can go a whole round of world religions trying to understand where God is. And do you know, this, this scripture didn't say, and he lived in a fill in the blank, and they stayed with it. There's, we get no more information. We get no more information. Come and you will see. What we get is an invitation. We get an invitation from Jesus to come and see where he dwells. Where does the Spirit dwell? And what we get from this absence, what I get from this absence of an explanation, is he stays wherever we are. The Spirit is wherever we are. The Spirit lives wherever we are. And some people take that and run with it in all kinds of directions and think that their listening or hearing of God is better than your listening or hearing or bettering of God, and no one knows better than you do about what God is saying to you. Right? No one knows. And if it's not for everyone, it's probably not it. If it causes harm. Now, it might cause separation because sometimes we have to get ourselves out of situations in order to be safe, right? But that's good for the person causing the harm too, frankly, right? So I believe that we don't get a description to make that very, very point. We have this invitation to go wherever God is because God is wherever you are. And we can bring God to whatever situation we happen to, to be in. But it doesn't feel, I mean, I don't know, maybe this is just me too, but it doesn't always feel like God is in me. Ever had one of those days? Uh-huh. Those days where it feels like all I am is hurt, or all I am is mad, or all I am is, I don't know, a pawn in somebody else's capitalist machine. Don't get me off. <clears throat> Keep my politics out of here, Sarah. I'm doing it. Okay. <laughs> but I will say that sometimes we don't feel that way. Right, Sarah? Yeah. And so when you're not feeling God, and, or you're not feeling the spirit inside of you, or you're not feeling that feeling of courage and calm, curiosity and clarity, I want to suggest that in order to get your attention, this came to me last Sunday during Marcia's sermon, so this is what I heard in my word from Marcia's sermon. If you don't hear can't feel God, maybe God stepped out and pivoted on that to your shoulder side to stand beside you, like the song says, by my side when I'm lonely. And you can invite God to maybe come face to face with you again before God jumps back into your, your internal world. Sometimes we need to see it through, the eye, through other people or see action happening in front of us before we trust that we can let God back inside. Does that make sense? So, we hear this calling. There's this calling of God to come, to come and see, come and see, come and see. And Bonnie and I got this word in 20, it was 2014, wasn't it, honey? Because we're on a 10-year cycle. I just want, these cycles that I'm going to keep coming back to, we're on a 10-year cycle where Bonnie and I heard, I heard a word of the world is your playground, the world is your playground. Well, I can take that and think that I'm something 
hoity-toity and I'm supposed to go lead a nation to do something, or I can just pay attention for a long time, which is what I did instead. So what does it mean, the world is my playground? What does that mean? Well, what does it mean? Can you guys imagine? I want you to think back to when you were young, and I want you to think back all the way back in a, in a playground experience that wasn't maybe one where we got into, I don't know, fourth or fifth grade and people were bullies and picked who they played with and all that, right? Go back to the early ones and tell me, what was your favorite piece of playground equipment? Tire swing. That one, the merry-go-round that is like really a projectile child expeller. Yes, what else? Monkey bars, absolutely, the monkey bars. What else is on the planet? The slide, I love the slide. Get you from A to B real fast. You love the old slides. They will also burn your, your skin off because they're metal and until they got that figured out. And the, the, oh, those web, those web crawler things, yeah. What about, what's that ball thing attached to the? Tether ball. What about a seesaw? Yeah, a seesaw. I want you to think about what, of all those that we've just named, could you see how your love for that piece of playground equipment translates into your life right now? Take a minute and think about it. So if you were a slide person or a swing person or a seesaw person or a merry-go-round person, can you see? Bonnie's like, ooh, I can run another sermon about this one. <laughs> and I ask you that because when I was reading John this time, I was seeing, come and see. And I immediately had an image in my mind of a playground. Where does God live? For Tamara Labak, God lives in her imagination on a playground and sounds like Maya Angelou. I don't know why. We can talk about it later. But it is true. There's a playground there. There's a playground there for me. And I know that our world can feel a bit like a playground to some, and it, that very same thing that you had so much fun on could also be really troubling, right? Like falling off the monkey bars or being thrown off the merry-go-round or burning your thighs on a slide or getting punched in the face with a tether ball or, right? I mean, all these, the danger is everywhere, right? So how do we know if the playground is a good place or a bad place? How do we know if the playground is a good place or a bad place? Ooh, that's nice. That'll preach. That'll preach. Is the, is the playground, how do you know if the playground is good or bad? Or is that even the right question? Yeah. Ah, uh, it just depends on how you feel about it, says the wise teen among us. Exactly true, right? It depends on what, you bring, what kind of hurt you bring to the playground, doesn't it? And you might bring hurt back over and over and over again to the playground. You know how we reward our children? We're like, oh, you fell off the monkey bars. Get back up there. Get back there. Go ahead. Try that again. Okay. There's something about this playground that instead of an instrument of fun, 
could be a little bit of an instrument of torture, right? So we have to pay attention to all of these things that have happened in our past, these cycles, so that when things come back up to us and we see that something looks familiar, we can decide whether or not we're going to do something different because it's familiar, it's similar, but it's not the same. Do you know how I know it's not the same no matter what pattern you're engaging in? No matter what pattern, negative pattern, you engage in on a regular time, the next time you do it, it will not be the same. Do you know why? Exactly. Because you are not the same. Because you have lived through watching that pattern. Right? So you can make a different choice if you look backwards and know that you're not stuck on it. You can actually say, whoa, the only thing I can control is me doing something different. Right? Me doing something different. So, sometimes the fun requires us a little bit of a dismount, right? It's how we do the dismount. If you get knocked off the monkey bars, that's not fun. But if you swing off the monkey bars, it's delightful, right? But you had a choice in that, right? You had a choice in when you got off the monkey bars. You didn't fall and nobody pushed you. Same thing with the swing. Y'all ever done the swing back and forth where you wait to the very last minute and then you jump off and you fly in the air for a minute? Yeah, you chose when to leave the swing, right? Yes. Do you know when we're on a seesaw and you're on the seesaw and somebody decides that they're going to get off when you're in the wrong position, right? That's no fun. It's all about the dismount. It's all about the dismount. It's about working with your partner to make sure you both get off at the same time so that nobody ends up being flung or being plopped, right? You know this metaphor is working, right? I mean, I think it's working. And then, <laughs> and then what about the slide? Dismounted the slide. Y'all, how you get off, how you slow yourself down, whether or not you're gauging the end, whether or not you land smack into a puddle or you fall forward and land on your face, right? Or do a somersault or, you know, or put some water on it and have a lot more fun. I mean, who knows? We don't know. But the dismount matters. So the reason why I bring that to you is because I cannot guarantee to you that you are never going to be hurt again. I cannot guarantee that you will never be hurt again. But I will call you to live in your heart along with your head and with your gut and with the spirit to make decisions about how you proceed forward. And if you can do that, there's always a possibility of repair. Always a possibility of repair. So the dismount, that dismount, how you exit something matters. How you get off that merry-go-round matters. We don't want to be flung around and let go and in a hospital with a cast, right? That's not what we want. We want to be able to get off with some ease. So... We talked about choice. You don't have to get dizzy. You don't have to stay on the merry-go-round if you don't want to anymore. There are other things on the playground to play with in this merry-go-round that you're recognizing. Does that make sense? You can actually choose something different. And it really does start with choice. It, start with, it starts with recognizing where your choice is because when you are actually in relationship to God, you're not ever stuck. Oh, I'll say that again. When you're actually in relationship with the part of yourself that has the eternal picture that includes everybody and includes you getting redeemed and you having your healing, however you need it, emotionally, physically, spiritually, right? You getting your healing, everybody else getting theirs. When you're in alignment with that, there is no agenda. 
God can make good use of any playground that you decide to play on. God will make good use of any piece of equipment that you choose to play on. You know why? Because we forgot the sandbox. You see, what God really wants in my read of the Bible is to get into the sandbox with you and play with you and dream what you dream of with them, her, God. God wants to do that play with you. And God knows that in that realm, there are no mistakes because all shame will be covered and all redemption can occur in this lifetime, in this moment, if we choose to be in this moment with our eternal parts, with our eternal self, as the same time that we're with our, our bodies and our hearts and our minds and our history and our pain. Does that make sense? This is fun. Okay, so I want you to take away, similar but not the same. Can y'all say that out loud? Similar but not the same. Whatever pattern it is that you thought of when I said that, that you don't have to say out loud to anybody, but if you want to, you can, and Bonnie will hear, and Heidi will hear, and if you need to name it out loud that it ends today, I bet they'd love to hear that from you. Tell it to somebody else. But whatever pattern that is that you're trying to break, the next time that it comes up, it's not the same thing because you are different. No two children in the same family experience the parents the same way. You know that? Why? Because they each have each other's perspective. I mean, like, they don't know what it's like to be the other one. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah. So when you've come back around a cycle and come back around a cycle, it's not the same necessarily. And it can, it, it, it can be a breakthrough. I just want to say that. It can be a breakthrough. Bonnie and I talk a lot about points. I'm writing a book on time right now, so I'm all in this space around time. And this idea of a point or a moment in time and the wave of energy that is time. And I'm like baklava, right? Is time like baklava? If you've ever seen that dessert, it's a Greek dessert of like phyllo dough with honey and little nuts in it. I believe that time is like baklava across the dimensions and the space where there are nuts are places where we've been kind of stuck. There's honey all around it and it's kind of sticky and so sometimes leave that we're in the other place earlier in our life where the nuts are. That was right. Instead of right here in the present moment with God. That was funny. I know, thanks. It wasn't mine, it was God's. I didn't know I was doing it. <clears throat> That's how that works. So what all that means is, in order to get off this merry-go-round, in order to get out of the valley, in order to begin to see God again inside of ourselves instead of next to us or just in front of us, but actually that we're a part of that too, what do you have to do? You have to discern the difference between your hurt, hurt parts inside of you that are trying to get healed by not letting it ever happen again, and that actually always backfires. Sorry, it does. Or, or we can trust that we are safe, that we matter, and that we belong, and so does anyone else that we are in conflict with. Anyone else that we are in conflict with also needs to feel safe, like they matter, and like they belong. And if any of those bottom rungs of that pyramid are messed up, you're just going to keep going around in circles with somebody who's in pain, 
right? So you have to see past that pain to know that they too, they just want that. They just need that. Can you give, it, can you give them love in that moment that's not conditional? Because if you can, what it does is it stops that merry-go-round. You in the space where you've ever seen that where the merry-go-round's going and going and going and some kids made it go too fast and you're the adult and you have to go up there and go, huh. You know what I'm talking about? That's what it is. That's what love does. Love says, halt that. There's an adult here. There's an adult here who's learned and grown and is not going to make these kind of mistakes again and will actually help keep this dizzying thing from happening and prevent this horrible thing from turning out where we've spun you around and out in the playground somewhere on the dirt. Are you with me? This was so fun, Bonnie. Okay, one last thing. One last thing. Um, I want to tell you about this largest system. We learned this past week that Pluto, I'm going to go a little wonky on you, so hold on a minute. Pluto and the sun, at exactly the same time this past week, moved into a constellation of Aquarius. Now, I'm not going to go wacko on you, Sarius, so just hang on. Sun... <laughs> And Pluto both moved at exactly the same time into Aquarius. What does that mean? You can go look it up. But the reason why I bring it up is that we've had an age of Aquarius before. It was around the 60s. Now we've got it again, but guess what? And I couldn't believe this so much that I had to look it up over and over and over again because I'm like, maybe I'm being duped, maybe I'm being duped. But we ha So the cycle of Aquarius comes around that many decades, however it is, 50 years or something, right? Seven, 60 years, whatever it is. But... And Pluto moves into it like only a certain number of times. Like Pluto's real, real slow. But this idea of having the sun and Pluto moving into this age together at exactly the same time has actually never happened in recorded human history. Ever. Ever. Never has the, has, have we gone with the sun into the age of Aquarius. Come on now. Come on now. We have never gone with the sun into the age of Aquarius. Does that make sense to you? It's kind of crazy. I mean, it's kind of loopy. I know that there's people in here just like, oh, my God, she's lost her mind at this point. But the reason why I'm bringing it up is because we have these cycles that continue, right? But they, they're similar, but not the same. Similar but not the same. I nearly dropped everything. I couldn't believe that it was even possible that something was happening that never, ever happened before in recorded history, ever. So what we're coming into, Bonnie, is a brand new age. This is a brand new age for the church, historically, following the roots from Pentecost forward through a whole bunch of branches of a tree that also influenced you and influence me in a very different way. And so here we are getting ready to respond to what will be a, whether, you, I don't care where you are in the politics side, a controversial election, right? No matter where you are, it's a cont controversial election. And there's a lot of potential for instability and for the ground to be shaking and for people to be able to see themselves in these cycles that are very, very negative. And so what is being called of us is to come and see all the time as much as we possibly can that God dwells where we are and to speak that love, that safety, 
that significance and that belonging to everyone we meet. And so with that, I'll give you your microphone back.